You're listening to The World in My Eyes. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation Atlanta, and welcome back for another episode of The World in My Eyes, where I get the opportunity of sharing what all the crazy voices in my head have been saying on a regular basis. And we've spent such a great deal of time getting so very intimate with each other, but in case you're new to the program, I am the naughty mistress with the mastis, the melodic goddess, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. And before we jump into today's topic, I do want to remind all you naughty listeners out there that the Renegade Talk Radio Network has been growing every single day. We've got a brand new website, so make sure that you've got it bookmarked. And make sure you're checking out all the fascinating and provocative shows that we offer on the website. And don't forget, there is so much more great talk radio on its way to you that you need to make sure that you're checking back in with us daily. Because I promise you this, you do not want to miss what's coming up next. And if you happen to need a break from all that great talk radio on the Renegade website, well then don't forget to check out Sky Pilot Radio, playing the best music from the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and featuring the real Don Steele and M.G. Kelly daily. All right, my darling little heathens, let's jump headfirst into today's topic. And on today's episode of The World in My Eyes, we're looking towards the new year and how we can celebrate the passing of the shit year that is 2016. The celebration of the new year on January 1st is a relatively new phenomenon, in case you were wondering. The earliest recorded New Year's festivity dates back some 4,000 years to ancient Babylon, and was deeply intertwined with religion and mythology. That's right, boys and girls, we're talking about New Year's Day. Now, For the Babylonians of ancient Mesopotamia, the first new moon following the vernal equinox, which is the day in late March, with an equal amount of sunlight and darkness, well, it would herald the start of a new year and represented the rebirth of the natural world. They marked that occasion with a massive religious festival called Akitu. That's A-K-I-T-U, in case you want to look it up, my friends. And it was derived from the Sumerian word for barley, which was usually cut in the springtime. And it involved a different ritual on each of the 11 days of celebration. During the Akitu, statues of the gods were paraded through the city streets and rites were enacted to symbolize their victory over the forces of chaos. Through these rituals, the Babylonians believed that the world was symbolically cleansed and recreated by the gods in preparation for the new year and the return of spring. In addition to the new year, Atiku celebrated the mythical victory of the Babylonian sky god Marduk over the evil sea goddess Timat, and served an important political purpose. It was during this time that a new king was crowned, or that the current ruler's divine mandate was renewed. One fascinating aspect of the Ikitu involved a kind of ritual humiliation endured by the Babylonian king. This peculiar tradition saw the king brought before a statue of the god Marduk, stripped of his royal regalia, slapped, 
and dragged by his ears in the hopes of making him cry. Now, am I the only one that thinks that maybe we should bring that particular celebration back in time? Yeah. Now, if royal tears were shed, it was seen as a sign that Marduk was satisfied and had symbolically extended the king's rule. Now, moving forward in time a little bit, the Roman New Year was originally corresponded with the vernal equinox. The early Roman calendar consisted of 10 months and 304 days, with each new year beginning at the vernal equinox. According to tradition, the calendar was created by Romulus, the founder of Rome, in the 8th century BC. However, over the centuries, the calendar fell out of sync with the sun, and in 46 BC, the emperor Julius Caesar decided to solve the problem by consulting with the most prominent astronomers and mathematicians of his time. He in, he in turn introduced the Julian calendar, a solar-based calendar, which closely resembles the more modern Gregorian calendar that we use today. As part of this reform, Caesar instituted January 1st as the first day of the year, partly to honor the month's namesakes, Janus, the Roman god of change and beginnings, whose two faces allowed him to look back into the past and forward into the future. This idea became tied to the concept of transition from one year to the next. And Romans would celebrate January 1st by offering sacrifices to Janus in the hope of gaining good fortune for the new year, decorating their homes with laurel branches and attending raucous parties. Sounds almost like what we do today. This day was also seen as setting the stage for the next 12 months, and it was common for friends and neighbors to make a positive start to the year by exchanging well wishes and gifts of figs and honey with one another. Moving forward even still in medieval Europe, the celebrations accompanying the new year were considered pagan and unchristian-like. And in 567 AD, the Council of Tours abolished January 1st as the beginning of the year, replacing it with the days carrying more religious significance, such as December 25th or even March 25th, which would be the Feast of the Annunciation, also called Ladies' Day. The date of January 1st was also given Christian significance and became known as the Feast of the Circumcision, considered to be the eighth day of Christ's life counting from December 25th and following the Jewish tradition of circumcision eight days after birth on which the child is formally given his or her name. Yeah, stop and think about that one for a moment. The Feast of the Circumcision. You know, I like to eat as much as the next person, but I seriously doubt that I'd be very hungry to eat at the Feast of a Circumcision. I mean, I like dick and all, but yeah, no, I'm going to pass on that one. All right, back to the story, though. However, the date of December 25th for the birth of Jesus is still debatable. In 1582, after reform to the Gregorian calendar, which Pope Gregory the Ninth reestablished January 1st as New Year's Day. Although most Catholic countries adopted the Gregorian calendar almost immediately, it was only gradually adopted among Protestant countries. The British, for example, did not adopt the Reformed calendar until 1752. And until then, the British Empire and their American colonies still celebrated the New Year in March. 
But civilizations around the world have been celebrating the start of each new year for at least four millennia. Today, most New Year's festivities begin on December 31st, or New Year's Eve, the last day of the Gregorian calendar, and continue into the early hours of January 1st, which is New Year's Day. Common traditions include attending parties, eating special New Year's foods, making resolutions for the new year, and watching firework displays. And of course, any of those of you out there listening, January 2nd is for breaking all those New Year's resolutions. Yes, in many countries, New Year's celebrations begin on that evening and continue into the next day. And revelers often enjoy meals and snacks thought to bestow good luck for the coming year. In Spain and several other Spanish-speaking countries, people bolt down a dozen grapes, symbolizing their hopes for the months ahead right before midnight. In many parts of the world, traditional New Year dishes features legumes, which are thought to resemble coins and herald future financial successes. So basically, I need to eat a bunch of peanuts to be rich. Hmm. Examples include lentils in Italy and black-eyed peas in the southern United States. Because pigs represent progress and prosperity in some cultures, pork appears on the New Year's Eve tables in Cuba, Austria, Hungary, Portugal, and other countries. Ring-shaped cakes and pastries, a sign that the year has come full circle, round out the feast in the Netherlands, Mexico, Greece, and elsewhere. In Sweden and Norway, rice pudding with an almond hidden inside is served on New Year's Eve. And it's said that whoever finds the nut can expect 12 months of good fortune. Once again with the nuts and money. What's up with that? Other customs that are common worldwide include watching fireworks and singing songs to welcome the new year, including the ever-popular Auld Lang Syne in many English-speaking countries. The practice of making resolutions for the new year is thought to have first caught on among the ancient Babylonians, who made promises in order to earn the favor of the gods and start the year off on the right foot. And they would reportedly vow to pay off debt and return borrowed farm equipment. Oh, I'm going to just let that one sit there. (laughs) And of course, in the United States, the most iconic New Year's tradition is the dropping of the giant ball in New York City's Times Square. And that's at the stroke of midnight, of course. Millions of people around the world watch the event, which has taken place almost every single year since 1907. Over time, the ball itself has ballooned from a 700-pound iron and wood orb to a brightly patterned sphere 12 feet in diameter and weighing in at nearly 12,000 pounds. Various towns and cities across America have developed their own versions of the Times Square ritual, including public drops of items ranging from pickles in Dillsburg, Pennsylvania, and possums in Tallapoosa, Georgia, and even the giant peach drop in Atlanta at midnight. And that, my friends, segues us into our next topic of discussion, the history of the New Year's Eve balls. That's right, my boys and girls, we've all seen the ball drop, But have you ever thought how that tradition ever came around? Well, I did. And fear not, my brave renegade nation, because Naughty Nicole is here to tell you the tale, so you don't have to look it up yourself. Revelers began celebrating New Year's Eve in Times Square as early as 1904, but it was in 1907 that the New Year's Eve ball made its maiden descent from that flagpole atop one Times Square. Seven versions of the ball have been designed to signal the New Year. 
The first New Year's Eve ball was made of iron and wood and adorned with 125-watt light bulbs. It was 5 feet in diameter and weighed 700 pounds. It was built by a young immigrant metalworker named Jacob Starr. And for most of the 20th century, the company he founded, sign maker Artcraft Strauss, was responsible for lowering the ball. As part of the 1907-1908 festivities, waiters in the fabled lobster palaces and other deluxe eateries and hotels surrounding Times Square were supplied with battery-powered top hats emblazoned with the numbers 1908, fashioned of tiny little light bulbs. At the stroke of midnight, they all flipped their lids, and the year on their foreheads lit up in conjunction with the numbers 1908 on the parapet of the Times Tower lighting, up to signal the arrival of the new year. The ball, however, has been lowered every year since 1907, with the exceptions of 1942 and 1943, when the ceremonies were suspended due to the wartime dim-out of lights in New York City. Nevertheless, the crowd still gathered in Times Square in those years and greeted that new year with a minute of silence, followed by the ringing of chimes from sound trucks parked at the base of the tower, a hearkening back to the earlier celebrations at Trinity Church, where crowds would gather to ring out the old and ring in the new. In 1920, a 400-pound ball made entirely of wrought iron replaced the original. In 1955, that iron ball was replaced with an aluminum ball weighing a mere 150 pounds. This aluminum ball remained unchanged until the 1980s, when red light bulbs and the addition of a green stem converted the ball into an apple for the I Love New York marketing campaign from 1981 until 1988. After seven years, the traditional glowing white ball with white light bulbs and without the green stem returned to brightly light the skies above Times Square. In 1995, the ball was upgraded with aluminum skin, rhinestones, strobes, and computer controls. But the aluminum ball was lowered for the last time in 1998. For Times Square 2000, the millennium celebration at the crossroads of the world, the New Year's Eve ball was completely redesigned by Waterford Crystal and Philips Lighting. The crystal ball combined the latest in lighting technology with the most traditional of materials, reminding us of our past as we gazed into the future and the beginning of a new millennium. In 2007, for the 100th anniversary of the Times Square ball drop, Waterford Crystal and Philips Lighting crafted a spectacular new LED crystal ball. The incandescent and halogen bulbs of the past century were replaced by state-of-the-art Philips Luxion LED lighting technology, and it dramatically increased the brightness and color capabilities of the ball. The beauty and energy efficient efficiency of the Centennial Ball inspired the building's owners of One Times Square to build the permanent big ball weighing nearly 6 tons and 12 feet in diameter. The 2,688 Waterfield Crystal Triangles are illuminated by 32,256 Philips Luxian LEDs. This big Times Square New Year's Eve ball is now a year-round attraction sparkling above Times Square in full public view January through December. The actual notion of a ball dropping to signal the passage of time dates back long before New Year's Eve was ever celebrated in Times Square, though. The first time ball was installed atop England's Royal Observatory 
in Greenwich in 1833. This ball would drop at one o'clock every afternoon, allowing the captains of nearby ships to precisely set their chronometers, which is a vital navigation instrument. Around 150 public time balls were believed to have been installed around the world after the success at Greenwich. Though few survive, and <laughs> even fewer still work. The tradition is carried on today in places like the United States Naval Observatory in Washington, D.C., where time ball descends from a flagpole at noon every day. And of course, once a year in Times Square, where it marks the stroke of midnight, not for the few ship's captains, but for over one billion people watching worldwide. All right, my dear sweet listeners, we're just getting started, and before we get too far into it, we do need to drop in on our sponsors and maybe check out a little bit of music. You're listening to The World in My Eyes, and I am still Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio Atlanta. So go grab yourself some champagne and some noisemakers, and meet me back here after the break. Fellas, didn't get what you were hoping for from Santa Claus this year? Looking to add a little spice to things in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about an adventurous new adult toy or movie? Well, then we have an offer that you won't be able to resist. Go to toysforpleasure.vegas and, for a limited time, you'll get 20% off store-wide and we'll even throw in free shipping for any order above $100. And no, we're not teasing. So check out toysforpleasure.vegas today and use special offer code BABE69 upon checkout and make sure all your adult fantasies come true with toysforpleasure.vegas today. Remember, use offer code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9, to receive a 20% discount on your entire order and gift the gift that Santa forgot to give this year. And welcome back, my Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, this is the world of my eyes, and I am still Naughty Nicole. And today we're talking all things New Year's. And who wouldn't want to look towards the future, right? 2016 has been an incredibly difficult and painful year. And it's time to look towards the shiny new year that's almost upon us. And now that we know the history... It's time to take a look at some of the traditions and merriment that make the day so worth celebrating. The content of the festivities have varied over time. While early celebrations were more paganistic in nature, celebrating the earth cycles, Christian traditions celebrated the feast of the circumcision of Christ. I'm still, you know, in therapy over that one. And Roman Catholics also often celebrate the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, a feast honoring Mary, However, in the 20th century, the holiday has grown into its own celebration and is mostly separated from the common association with religion. And it has become a holiday associated with nationality, relationships, and introspection rather than a religious celebration, although many people follow those older traditions. And while celebration varies all over the world, some of the common traditions that we have 
Well, we make resolutions or goals to improve our lives in the coming year. Common resolutions concerning diet, exercise, bad habits, and other issues concerning personal wellness. And a common view is to use the first day of the year as a clean slate to improve one's life. It's also a gathering of loved ones. Here, you're typically typically going to find champagne, feasting, confetti, noisemakers, and other methods of merriment, like fireworks, parades, and concerts. Some famous parades include London's New, Year, New Year's Day Parade and the Rose Parade in Pasadena, California. There are superstitions concerning food or visitors that bring luck, but we'll get into those in a second. These especially include circle-shaped foods, which symbolize the end of a cycle. The reasoning behind superstitions is that the first day of the year sets precedent for the following days. A common superstition specific to New Year's Day concerns a household's first visitor of the year. Tradition states that if a tall, dark-haired stranger is the first to walk through your door, called the first footer or lucky bird, you'll have good luck all year. I'm going to say if a tall, dark-haired stranger comes to my door on New Year's, it's going to be a very lucky, very lucky year for me and for him. Anyways, also, if you want to subscribe to Superstition, don't let anything leave the house on New Year's Year's except for people. Traditions say, don't take out the trash and leave anything you want to take out of the house on New Year's outside the night before. If you must remove something, make sure to replace it by bringing an item into the house. These policies of balance apply in other areas as well. Avoid paying bills, breaking anything, or shedding tears. Now, I happen to know a dear friend of mine has this whole thing about not doing laundry on New Year's, which I kind of subscribe into mostly because I don't want to do laundry. But, you know, if it makes her happy, I'm okay to, I'm okay with those superstitions. And then, of course, there's toasting. Toasts typically concern gratefulness for the past year's blessing, hope and luck, or the future. And thanking guests for their New Year's company. In coastal regions, running into a body of water or splashing water on one another symbolizes cleansing or a rebirth theme that's associated with the holiday. And however, many nations and cultures within them have their own characteristic way of celebrating. American citizens often celebrate with a party, featuring toasting, drinking, and fireworks late into the night before the New Year, where the gathering counts down the final seconds to January the 1st. Some might even get a kiss at midnight. Many English-speaking countries play Old Lang Syne, a song celebrating the year's happy moments. Americans often make resolutions and watch the Times Square ball drop at New York City. Although much of this celebration occurs the night before, the merrymaking typically continues into New Year's Day. Football is a common fixture on New Year's Day in America, usually the day of the Rose Bowl. And some foods that are considered lucky to eat during the festivities include anything that's circular-shaped, black-eyed peas, cabbage, and pork. Now, some of the things that we all have in common, well, resolutions. And it's believed that the Babylonians were the first that made that New Year resolution, and people all over the world have been breaking them ever since. The early Christians believed the first day of the new year should be spent reflecting on past mistakes and resolving to improve oneself throughout the new year. Of course, there's always fireworks. 
Noise-making and fireworks on New Year's Eve is believed to, to have originated in ancient times, when noise and fire were thought to dispel evil spirits and bring good luck. The Chinese are credited with inventing fireworks and use them to spectacular effect in their New Year's celebration. Of course, the most famous tradition in the U.S. is the dropping of the New Year's Ball in Times Square, New York City, at 11.59 p.m. Thousands will gather to watch the ball make its one-minute descent, arriving exactly at midnight. And, of course, we've already been through that one. So let's talk about a traditional southern New Year dish, which is called Hoppin' John. And since I live in the south, I've had my fill of Hoppin' John. But it's pretty much black-eyed peas with ham hocks. An old saying goes, eat peas on New Year's Day to have plenty of everything the rest of the year. Of course, we have the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, and the Tournament of Roses Parade that precedes the football game on New Year's Day is made up of elaborate and inventive floats, with the first parade being held in 1886. But let's look around the world. Scotland, for example, the birthplace of Auld Lang Syne, by the way, is also the home of Hogamini, the rousing Scottish New Year celebration, one of the traditions is first footing. Shortly after midnight on New Year's Eve, neighbors pay visits to each other and impart New Year's wishes. Traditionally, first foots used to bring along a gift of coal for the fire or shortbread. It's considered especially lucky if a tall, dark, and handsome man is the first to enter your home after the New Year is rung in. And any of you handsome, tall, dark, and handsome Scottish men... Let me know. I'll give you my address. You can be one of the firsts. Anyways, the Edinburgh Hogmanay celebration is the largest in the country and consists of an all-night street party. Lord, I want to be there on New Year's Eve. The New Year is the most important holiday in Japan, though, and it is a symbol of renewal. In December, various Boninikai, or forget-the-year parties, are held are held to bid farewell to the problems and concerns of the past year and prepare for a new beginning. Misunderstandings and grudges are forgiven and houses are scrubbed. At midnight on December 31st, Buddhist temples strike their gongs 108 times in an effort to expel 108 types of human weakness. New Year's Day itself is a day of joy and no work is to be done. Oh, I love the Japanese. Children receive otoshidamas, small gifts with money inside. Sending New Year's cards is a very popular tradition. If postmarked by a certain date, the Japanese post office guarantees delivery of all New Year's cards on January the 1st. Off to the French. Oh, I love the French. They typically celebrate New Year's with a feast and a champagne toast, marking the first moments of New Year's Day with kisses under the mistletoe, which most other cultures associate with Christmas celebration. The French also consider the day's weather as a forecast for the upcoming year's harvest, taking into account aspects like wind direction to predict the fruitfulness of crops and fishing. Back to the Philippines, where celebrations are very loud, believing that the noise will scare away evil beings. There's often a midnight feast featuring 12 different round fruits to symbolize good luck for the 12 months of the year to come. Other traditional foods include sticky rice and noodles, but no chicken or fish because these animals are food foragers, which can be seen as bad luck for the next year's food supply. On to the Greeks, who celebrate New Year's Day with card games and feasting. 
At midnight, the lights are turned off, followed by the basil's pie, which contains a coin. Whoever gets the piece of pie containing the coin wins luck for the next year. On to Russia, Soviet Union, and their New Year Day, New Year Day celebration that have been greatly affected by the Union's history. As religion was suppressed and Christmas celebrations were banned, New Year's, or Novigod celebrations, often included Christmas traditions such as decorated trees, which were reconsidered as New Year fir trees. As the suppression lifted, these traditions stayed part of the New Year's Day celebration. The holiday is also celebrated with feasts, champagnes, and good wishes. The Spanish, of course, had their New Year's Day celebration with the custom of eating 12 grapes, each eaten at a clock stroke at midnight. The Dutch burn bonfires of Christmas trees on the street and launch fireworks. The fires are meant to purge the old and welcome in the new. And in our colder countries that are close to water, like Canada and parts of the United States, the United Kingdom and the Netherlands, it is customary to organize cold water plunges. These plunges and races, sometimes called a polar bear plunge, often raise money for charity or awareness for causes. For thousands of years, New Year's has been a festival of rebirth and reflection, allowing people all over the world to celebrate another great year. Which brings us to the most time-honored tradition of all, the New Year's song. And no, I'm not going to sing because, you know, I have a horrible voice, as you all already have endured. But the most commonly sung song for English speakers on New Year's Eve is Auld Lang Syne. And it is an old Scottish song that was first published by the poet Robert Burns in the 1796 edition of the book Scott's Musical Museum. Burns transcribed it after he heard it sung by an old man from the Ayrshire area of Scotland, which is Burns's homeland. And it's often remarked that Old Lang Syne is one of the most popular songs that nobody seems to know the lyrics to. Old Lang Syne literally translate to old long since and means times gone by. The song asks whether old friends and times will be forgotten and promises to remember people of the past with fondness. For Old Lang Syne will take a cup of kindness yet. Some lesser known verses continue that theme, lamenting how friends who once used to run around the braes and pound the goins fine, which means run about the hills and pulling up the daisies, and paddle in the burn, fray morning sun dill dine, paddled in the stream from morning to dusk have all become divided by time and distance. Yet, there is always time for old friends to get together, if not in person, then in memory. But it was band leader Guy Lombardo, and not Robert Burns, who popularized the song and turned it into a New Year's tradition. Lombardo first heard Auld Lang Syne in his hometown of London, Ontario, where it was sung by Scottish immigrants. When he and his brothers formed the famous dance band, Guy Lombardo and his Royal Canadians, the song became one of their standards. Lombardo played the song at midnight at a New Year's Eve party at the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City in 1929, and a tradition was born. After that, Lombardo's version of the song was played every New Year's Eve from the 1930s until 1976 at the Waldorf Astoria. In the first years, it was broadcast on radio and then on television. 
The song became such a New Year's tradition that Life magazine wrote that if Lombardo failed to play Old Lang Syne, the American public would not believe that the New Year had really arrived. And for you, dear listeners, I've included the lyrics in the show description for those of you that are interested in the song. I've also included the YouTube link to my personal favorite version of the tune by the fabulous Mary Campbell, a true Scottish treasure with the voice of an angel. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. And with that, we've come to the end of the episode, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope that you look up old friends and maybe make some new ones. And make sure you reach out to me because I would love to hear from you. You can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com, or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. That's our time for today, and I want to thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio Atlanta. And don't forget to tune in next time. Until then, remember the wise and immortal words of a very beautiful person, Miss Carrie Fisher. Resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Miss Fisher, your passing was heartbreaking, and you will truly be missed. So may the Force be with us all in your absence. See you next time, my precious little heathens, and Happy New Year. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk.